Good morning, ladies. How are you? Yay. Did you wake up with a weak flesh but a willing spirit? Yes. So confession of the soul. My hair is sopping wet. Literally, I woke up and I had to decide it's either me or the word. Have y'all ever done that? Like, I'm going to get ready today or the dishes are going to be done? Yes, Jesus. And I'm already wet. And you guys are going to leave the same way today. How many are ready to go all the way in? It's going to be a fun day, and I'm so excited today to have some of my dearest friends and leaders in the kingdom on this stage. This year, um, we, with our capacity of the conference, we really couldn't break up in sessions like I had hoped. And so what we decided to do was do one ginormous leader lab. Put these leaders up here. I have questions that you all have submitted, things that I've asked other people, questions they've submitted, more questions than we'll get through in this session. I mean, I'm just going to kind of hit them in category, and it's going to deal with moms and ministers and young girls and all kinds of stuff. It's going to hit you where you are, but every question might not relate to your walk of life, Um, and I'm just going to let these uh, leaders, now let me just give you all some ground rules, ladies. I'm going to ask the questions, and I'm hoping that those of you that feel inspired to answer them will speak up. If you all all keep passing it to the same person, I will designate the questions. You all hear me, ladies? I'm trying to let the Holy Ghost lead, but Devin will if I have to, Okay. I know how this works. These ladies are like, oh, not me, not me. But how many want to hear what they have to say? Yes. I wish we could do a whole conference of roundtable discussions because there's so much to be said in the kingdom. Maybe that's a good idea for our Women of Fire group. There's so much we got to talk about, ladies. And, and the primary goal of this gathering is encountering His presence. But going forth, um, I encourage you to have your own roundtable discussions because we're equipped in the kingdom when iron sharpens iron. And this is how it happens. So are you ready to get started? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to let them start by just introducing themselves. What would y'all do with the mic? Did you already hide it? Okay, just introduce yourself and say something about yourself so they'll know who you are. I don't care what it is. Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? Okay. Good morning, women of fire. (laughs) Um, I am so honored that Pastor Devin, she's amazing. We love her. So I'm like, oh, God. I love her so much. And Pastor Kevin, we're honored to serve here um, as their worship pastors. And my husband, Tobin, is at home with our kiddos today. We have five kids. <laughs> five kids. So mama's taking a nap. But I'm so thankful to be here. Thank you, Pastor Devin. Amen. I'm Pastor Michelle Davenport. I have the privilege of pastoring a group of people in LaGrange, Georgia. And um, I've been a part of Women of Fire for from the beginning, I guess, Pastor Devin said. And so um, I love this group of ladies. I love this group of ladies. And I love to see what God's going to do. I do not have five children. I have one daughter, grown. And I have a husband that makes up for five children, which is why I stopped with one. I hope he's somewhere listening. Anybody that knows him understands my situation. And anytime you want to stretch your hands toward me and pray for me, I receive it in the name of Jesus. Um, I'm Katie Haskell. I don't know why I'm here. Um, I have, (laughs) um, I love this house and I have a dog. How am I supposed to follow that up? Um, I am Dr. Danielle Wright. I am from, 
Um, I love you guys. You guys are awesome. I love Pastor Devin. Um, I'm just from everywhere. I travel and I pray. And so um, that is what I love to do. Um, I'm inspired to do it, and I want y'all to do it. Hey, wait. How many of y'all listen to Power of Prayer Radio? (laughs) Okay, just a shout out. That's her little radio station. Hi, I'm Stephanie Harrison, and my husband and I pastor the Kingdom Center Church in Louisville, Kentucky, and I have four kids and lots of shoes. (laughs) I am Doris Barker. Like Katie, I'm not real sure why I'm here, other than the fact I have a couple of friends that like to push me out of my comfort zone and make me do things that I'm not really sure I'm equipped and qualified to do, but I am obedient to the leadership that God has placed me under. I love this house. I'm a part of this house. I'm a Texas girl that God transplanted to Tennessee. Tennessee was never on my radar. Uh, I have three kids. Uh, Two are married, and I have grandkids through them. The oldest one I happen to have married. He's never grown up. He's never left home, but I am surviving. Hey, ladies, she's got great shoes, too. Look at those sparkly shoes. Anytime I preach in sparkly shoes, it's her fault. It's her fault. If I'm wearing sparkling shoes, it's also her fault. (laughs) These are not sparkling. My name is Pastor Sharo. I am from uh, Hope NYC Church in New York. Um, I know I like it a lot, too. Um, This is my second favorite church right here (laughs) in the world. Um, I also um, love Preacher Girl TV. Um, It's not TV. It's just TV was available. But um, (laughs) I I, I believe that um, all of us women of God... That, that we're preachers and that we don't need pulpits. We just need to know our message. And um, I believe that in this season, in, in 2021, that this is, our, this is our chance. This is what God put us on the earth for. And so it, more than ever, we need to know our message. I'm going to stop preaching. Love you guys so much. Bye. Hey, do I have any preacher girls in the house? Anybody follow Pastor Cheryl's network? If you don't, you should. So she didn't preach enough last night, so she wanted to continue now. (laughs) So I am Celia Mendes. I am from Brazil originally, but I, I live, okay, I live in Africa, in Mozambique for the past 18 years of my short few years of life. Um, I do not have great shoes. Because in Mozambique, we mainly wear sandals because high heels will sink in the sand. She knows that. Uh, But I do have 150 children that we feed every single day. Yeah? And if you get one of our cooker bags, you will help us feed those kids, okay? I do not want to... I only brought about like 70 bags. Ladies... Do some, like, okay, get some Christmas gifts, and then, but do not let me go back with those bags. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. How many are going to help sell you sell out of those bags? Let me say something. As we get into questions, we set a record yesterday, ladies. You set a record for the largest offering ever taken at a conference at this church. That deserves some celebration for a spirit of generosity 
What kind of harvest is going to come out of that? That's what I want to know. So we praise God for that. And so since you're such a generous people, let's just let it overflow to Mozambique in the name of Jesus. All right. So I think we know you all just a little bit. And I'm going to get started. We've got all kinds of topics. I'll try to start easy. Um, but the topic, uh, the title of this session is Making Waves. So ladies, let me just say it to you and say it to our panel leaders. The goal of this was to talk about things that are difficult to preach, really, um, because it's leaders tell the truth, even if it's hard. So some of these questions are mild. Some of them we actually may share different opinions on, and you might not have their opinion. And that doesn't mean we can't love each other and smile. It means we have to learn to deal with each other's interpretation of scripture, thought process, interpretation of what's going on, and that's what makes the body of Christ beautiful. And so I don't want there to be pressure for conformity today. I just want truth to come forth, okay? So just be free. It's a safe place. And we can always edit things if we need to. <laughs> just kidding. Not really, not live stream. So, so let me just start I think we will start with women in ministry. Let's start with what everybody thinks these questions are going to be, and they're really not. First of all, I want to just preface by saying I thank God that we don't have to have these conversations as much. Um, I remember talking to my son one time several years ago, and I had gone somewhere where they did not embrace women preachers. And he was confused because never in his life had he ever heard that teaching. Like it was, and I thank God that we're raising a generation in the kingdom that won't carry this burden. But do I have any women out there who have ever been a part of a teaching or a group or maybe yourself have received persecution or criticism for being a woman in ministry? Raise your hand. Yeah, so it's still there. So I'm going to ask some questions along that lines, and I want you just to feel inspired to answer. Number one, does anybody want to tackle how you would answer someone who brings up those famous Pauline passages of Scripture about women being silent in the church and no women, woman ruling over a man? Have you all not wondered this? Like, hello, somebody break it down. Scripture says it. But can you help us understand what that means or what you would do to answer someone who challenged your ability to speak based on Paul's teachings? <laughs> Maybe that wasn't a mild start. Maybe that wasn't. That is mild compared to where we're going. Let her answer. Go ahead, preacher girl. Go ahead. Take the mic. Check, check. That's my favorite topic in the whole wide world. No, I, I'm not, I'm gonna, I, 30 seconds. It really is my favorite topic. What I don't do is quote the context uh, argument uh, because it's done. It, that means people usually will tell you when they quote Paul as saying women, be, uh, women ought to learn in silence, ask her own husband, submit, you know, all those things. Um, and we've said things in the past, women preachers, like, oh, when I get to heaven, I'm going to talk to Paul. Ain't none of us trying to do that when we get there. That, that's not going to be what's happening. Um, so when you go to talk to somebody who opposes your, your commission to preach the gospel based on Paul's letters to Timothy, what technically and traditionally happens is we say things like, well, that was to a particular church, and the context of it is more important because in that church, the women were rising up. And even though those things are true, they've been heard and any good atheist or any good um 
any good person who is against female preachers can argue that point right back at you. It will be thrown right back in your face. Those are so elementary. I need you to wrap your mind around that. And women of God, it's not enough to just know contextually people are understanding it wrong. It's not enough. You're still going to be faced with people who can say, well, the Bible isn't about that particular generation because it's either you accept all of it and not. What I've done and I've had to do because I've faced this all my life is find a million other ways that God has commissioned daughters to preach the gospel. So we go all the way back to Eve. We go all the way back when he said the seed of the woman is going to bruise the head of the serpent. Then in the New Testament he says, for the seed is the word of God. So from the very first woman, he said, I put the word of God in the woman if you need more and and when you bring that to somebody who um doesn't want to give a woman or the ability or the the okay from God to preach the gospel you start from Eve and get all the way down to Magdalene you kind of go in my opinion outside of all the normative arguments go to the woman at the well when Jesus says to her Go call your husband, right? You know, everybody is like, um, oh, Jesus did that to trap her. Or Jesus did that because she had five husbands or whatever. You know what Jesus was doing? He was giving her permission to preach. Because according to Jewish law, the only person you could learn from was your husband. A woman had to go ask her own husband. But this woman had no husband. So when Christ said, go call him, he was indeed teaching her that she didn't need what she didn't have in order to go and tell what she had found. So I think the most important thing for me as a woman preacher is knowing who called me. It's been my life. Uh, I can't even tell you. It's been the only reason why when men have come up, and I've been one of the few because I ask my friends like Michelle all the time, Do you, have you faced this? And she coming from a background where she's had permission to preach the gospel was very different from me because in my society, women can't even speak when where we come from originally. So, so um, I've had to know God called me. I've had to know. So those are not the the easy answers, but those are my answers. Those are the ways that I get to defend my right to propagate the message that the Holy Spirit gave me to speak in this hour. I just have to say this. Pastor Cheryl represents a harvest out there. Ladies, we need to pray for this preacher girl came from a Hindu background. Her church is full of converted Hindus and Muslim, men and women. And if you see this woman who in her original context would have not been allowed to speak is now a preacher, what would happen if we saw a revival of Hindu and Muslim women coming to Jesus? Can you imagine a multiplication of Pastor Shara? So anybody else? I'm going to go a little deeper in that, but does anybody else have a context? Yeah, I just wanted to add, um, see, I am a uh, woman. I am single and I work in Africa, a very sexist culture. And um, I usually do not get into the argument because when somebody comes to argue, they come to, uh, on the offensive. And so they come to fight. And so I'm like, I don't, my time is too precious to fight those kind of fights. I pick, I pick my uh, battles wisely. What I would say is that just let the work 
speak for itself. Amen. Because the Bible says that Satan would not, uh, would not work against himself. And then I'm like, I don't need to justify myself to preach. I just say, you look, look at the work. Um, people are being delivered. People are being set free. People are being saved. People are being transformed. And the Lord is doing a mighty work in the bush of Africa through a woman, single, don't have children. Because that matters in Africa. They go like, are you married? No. But where are your children? Because it doesn't matter if you are married or not. You're supposed to have children. So I do not qualify in any of the categories. But I qualify in the category of heaven. And so all of us here may be disqualified in the category of men as we are qualified in the category of heaven. And, okay, so I'm, I won't start preaching. Oh, she's so full of fire. Celia's so full of fire. Okay, I'm going to go a little deeper. Katie, just, I won't make this come to you. She already said, don't ask me anything about marriage. But let's, let's talk to women because I've always loved to be able to say, the Bible does say wives submit to your own husbands, but not everybody's husband. <laughs> I'm, I'm not responsible for what your husband thinks. I'm only responsible for what my husband thinks. We're going to go a little deeper into submission, but this is a real talk question. I'm sure there are women out there in this sanctuary and watching that they have a domestic problem at home. It's one thing if your pastor or a lot of other people don't embrace your ministry. But what do you do if women leave here with a call of God on their life that their spouse does not embrace or has a different theological view? There's Stephanie there. I'm just going to simply say this. <clears throat> and I'll try to just make this, this will not be theological. So just hang on to your hat. When I stand before God, I will not give an answer as to whether or not I was submitted to my husband over my God. When I made a commitment at the covenant altar with my husband, I did it with unto the Lord. Two became one under the banner of God. I do realize that it is difficult when you are unequally yoked. And that's what you're dealing with when you don't have a spouse that embraces the call of God on your life. But I will tell you this, if you will stay fully submitted to God and completely and totally submitted to God, the scripture tells us that your gift will make room for you. It will make room for you in your house. Sometimes you don't know how God's going to do it, and you can't figure it out, but you just stay submitted to God. Sometimes your pulpit will need to be your bathroom mirror to start with, and you will just preach to yourself, but you will stir that gift within yourself. You will first take to the audience of your children, and you will then begin to preach to your children. Sometimes the struggle is that you just want a platform when God's given you the platform in your home and sometimes your husband may be your first congregation and so you let the gift of God that is on your life speak and it will make room for you yeah. 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 
Because when you know who you are, nobody, no devil, no authority, no principality, no power, no high thing above or below is able to keep you from what God has ordained you to be. So when you are called to be a preacher girl, you just got to preach. Last but not least, the one scripture in the Bible was all I needed to say, go, go girl, go girl. And that's when he called the messed up woman with all the mess in her life. (laughs) And she said, come see a man. Just come see a man. So many times we want to be so spiritual and so preachy and so platformy. But if we would just become women of God that just say, come see a man who told me all the things I ever done and he didn't shame me, he didn't condemn me, but he washed me clean. When you just take that position, God will give you all kinds of opportunity that no man can stop you from. So I say, preach the word, preach the word, preach the word. Come see a man. That's so good. Doris, go ahead. Coming for just a little bit of a different perspective, I was raised a Pentecostal preacher's daughter. I married a Baptist boy. You want to talk about foreign to him? He was afraid to come to our church because he was afraid of what was going to happen, what he was going to see, and what he didn't understand. But God gave me the scripture by the conversation of the wife, your husband will be saved. So what I did is I just lived it. I would go, and at first I kind of got offended. I would go and I would tell him what God said to me in my prayer closet. And then I would hear him repeat it to somebody else. And he never gave me credit. I'm thinking, wait, wait, what, what? I spent all my time in prayer for you to be able to verbalize what God gave me. (laughs) Hello. And God said, who cares who got the message? He's delivering it. So it doesn't matter whether he fights you or not. And Bill never fought me. He followed me. When we first got married and I looked at him, I said, we're going to pay tithes. And he went okay. And when we paid our tithes and we had five bucks left over for the week, so we went down to the little grocery store that would cash our checks and we bought us a little sandwich and we bought our groceries. We had everything we needed. He was always faithful to listen to what I had to say because, here, let's talk about Esther. She understood protocol. She honored him when he was on the throne. But she was intimate with him at night. And that intimacy gave her access and caused him to extend his scepter to her and accept what she had to say. I'll give you up to half of my kingdom. So we just have to live it, breathe it, move in it, exercise it, and the men will come along. 
the men will come along. That's good. Okay, we may come back to this category, but for fear of running out of time, I feel like we've at least hit it. We've at least kind of hit the issue of women in ministry and submission. I was going to get deeper into submission. We'll just do a whole show on that or something. Okay, I'm going to skip to total different topic. This was actually a conference question also. We're going to talk about a category I'm calling hearing God's voice and speaking in tongues. So we definitely have some swimmers in here, Pastor Cheryl, and we definitely have some non-swimmers that come to Women of Fire conferences. Sometimes it's their first exposure to the Holy Spirit. Um, And I think, Doris, your question helped them. And for all my non-swimmers, don't identify yourself. I pray that you are just getting more and more comfortable with the water. But... We don't talk about this enough in the spirit-filled realm, and it's, it's the theology of speaking in tongues and how that works. And so I want someone to take this question about why are we able to speak in tongues at will? Do you think that we are? Is it something that the Holy Spirit moves on us each time to do or something we can choose to pray in the spirit and choose to stop? Um, in the Pentecostal realm, there's even conflict over that. Is it at will or only spirit-led? And who would like to take this question? Dr. Danielle Wright, I see it bubbling up inside of you. <laughs> Didn't y'all feel like she was supposed to answer? I did. Ramba kandere bo shandere be kandere ba shandere be kanteya. Robo koto bo shandere ba kandeya. Rante kete ramba shetere mandeya. Rokoto bo kandere ba sende. Rante bebe kandere ba sende. Robo koto ramba ke rende ba ba shandere anche. Um. (laughs) So, um, can I speak in tongues at will? Yes. Listen, a prayer language, and I just talked about this, has an assignment attached to it. And so when God gave us the gift of speaking in tongues, if we understand when it was dispensed, it was dispensed as a language and not just as a stammer. And so the language of the heavens actually is just that. It is a language. And when we speak in tongue, the tongue should be um, able to penetrate an atmosphere to bring freedom to somebody else. On the day of Pentecost, when uh, the Holy Spirit fell and they began to speak in tongues, it really was, a, it, it said 120 different individual fires, in a sense, fell. And I believe, as God has shown me, is that that was God giving them a language to be able to spread the gospel. Because after Pentecost, we know that the church began to grow and they were dispensed or they were sent out to various regions and cities and around the nation. And I believe God gave them the anointing, the ability to speak in tongues, another language, because it was a part of their assignment. So when we're asking for God to speak in tongues, a lot of people, matter of fact, just said, I want to speak in tongues. Ask God for an assignment. 
Don't just want to speak in tongues so you can be spiritual. Want to speak in tongues so that you can get somebody saved. Speak in tongues so that demons and devil know that you showed up and that you came in the region. I'm not coming to talk to you, devil. I'm coming to give you my prayer language to let you know that I've been anointed to take over this region. Speak in tongues so that demons will run. Speak in tongues so that devils will know who you are. Speak in tongues. Because the enemy can't understand it. But know a prayer language so that people can be saved. Y'all are like doing these drop the mic answers. I'm like, is there anything else to say? It's a river, right? It's a river, right? We don't turn it off and on. Okay, hearing God's voice. I think she covered that. Um, Hearing God's voice. I think this is important, especially at a conference like this where there's so much oil being poured out and so much transformation taking place. Um, And I know we deal with this as pastors a lot, questions about this. For women of God in here who feel a call of God on their life, so I'll go ahead and clarify, everybody's called, marketplace or full-time ministry. But I do want to differentiate here. Um, more, More like the fivefold. You know, we have this issue in the kingdom with self-appointed people versus God-appointed people. And we deal with a lot with our students because now you can pick ministry as a career choice, as a degree path. So help these ladies, help, whoever wants to chime in, help me just help them clarify, how do you know God is calling you? And how is that affirmed? How can I be secure in that? How do I know I'm called to be a pastor or an evangelist? Or, and it might be a personal story or something you've dealt with, but let's just clear this up today. Okay. Um, I'll give a personal story and then maybe some wisdom. Um, a personal story would be, I remember, so I was not a pastor's kid. Um, I grew up in church my whole life. Um, But I remember being six years old and knowing that I was going to be a pastor. Um, And I don't say pastor's wife because I hate that term. Nobody else calls your banker a banker's wife, a lawyer's wife, a doctor's wife, right? I'm not somebody's object or addendum. Right? So um, I'm not saying that out of disrespect. Trust me, I honor and I am a person under submission because I know that you can only access what you honor. And a lot of times we have people wanting authority who refuse to submit to authority. And kingdom principles, they apply to everything. But I remember that. And as a young girl who grew up in the church of God and in the church of God that I grew up in, I know they're different sectors, right? Um, women did not barely speak, much less preach. And my papa was a traveling evangelist for 64 years. None of the women in my life I had ever seen be activated in a gift. Um, So I wondered my whole life how that would work and how God was going to do that thing. Um, I never could escape that. I believe when God calls you for real, you can't do anything else but it. And I remember preparing 
when my friends, my teenage friends would be out having fun. And I remember preparing, trying to prepare myself for what I believed God had in store for me and didn't know how that was going to play out. But I knew that there was nothing else in the world that I could ever do and be fulfilled. So now I say that as a personal story and, and that path has has now come into fruition. Uh, but I was a pastor a long time before I was ever a pastor. Before I ever had the title. You know, the Bible says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. It doesn't say who, who finds a girl and makes her a wife. You're already a wife before you're married or not. I will say this in my church. You can't be a hoe and a wife at the same time. Okay, And I will say the same thing applies to being called. You can't be called and be something else at the same time. So you are either called and you're active in that calling before you have the title or the position. And the Bible says, he who is faithful over little, God will make ruler over much. So stop looking for elevation and just be on assignment where you are. It's just like she said, your platform might be a mirror. Your platform might be your kitchen table. Your platform is right where you are. Bloom where you are planted, baby, and God will do the rest. All my single ladies, did you hear that coming at you? We're going to make a t-shirt that says already a wife. Well, that might confuse people. Well, it'll keep your man away from you, won't it? We can't do a t-shirt like that. <laughs> but you are already a wife. Don't live like a girlfriend. Live like a wife. That's so good. And, and the answer about women called is good. That's something Kevin always says. If you can do anything else and be satisfied, do it. You're not called. And so take that away from this conference. Um, does anybody else have anything to add to that topic? KT. So I would just um, add to that because Pastor Devin asked about the fivefold. Um, I'm a firm believer in the fivefold. I teach it all the time. I love talking about it. Um, the fivefold, there is a woman represented in the Bible for every single part of the fivefold in Acts, in the New Testament. This is not just Old Testament. This is New Testament. If you need to find in your Bible someone that looks like you, you can find them. Now, let me also say that the fivefold is not just for the church. The fivefold is to go into the world as well. We are not meant to sit in the pews because these people are hopefully already saved. My job is to go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing those in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So if you believe that you are a prophetic voice for this generation, you may not be a prophetic voice in the house of the Lord. You may be a prophetic voice outside the house of the Lord. And I actually hope you are. Because if you're trying to prophesy in here, it's like literally all you're going to do is catch fish left and right. I want you to go outside the doors and try to prophesy and see what happens. Because that's when you know you're actually called. If you can prophesy in a Starbucks and lay somebody out, that's when the Lord is actually on you. If you're in here prophesying and somebody falls out, it's because they're kind. So just know that did I lie 
courtesies, left and right, praise the Lord. But if, you, if you're in the Chick-fil-A and you can lay a whole table out because the power of God is on you, that's when you know you're called to be a five-fold minister and you've been equipped, equipped because our job is to equip the saints. And so if any of us are called and any of you are called, my job is, I say this to Kevin all the time, my job is not to prove to you that I hear the Lord. My job is to prove to you that you hear the Lord. And so what my whole entire part of my destiny on my life is and part of your destiny on your life is, is to not keep reminding each other that you heard the Lord for the 10th time. You should already know. I shouldn't have to come back and promise prophesy something to you that you heard 10 years ago. You should have stood on the word of God. And so my job is to go outside the walls, but you're taking up too much of my time. (laughs) That deserves a hoop. Wow, gosh, we're getting like a sermon after sermon after sermon here. Listen, I am a uh, credited minister, uh, a pastor, a missionary, and architect, and engineer. No, that, that was just an ad. Um, it's because missionary holds all those hats. Um, but at the age of 16, I wasn't called to be a missionary I wasn't called to be a pastor. I was called to serve the Lord. And I knew that the four walls of the church could not contain what I had inside. And so at at the age, even uh, younger than that, 14, I would go to the slums in Brazil and with a group of people and cast out demons and go into houses. I remember one time this man, he was sitting when we got there, but when the demon manifested, he looked like Goliath. And and then I was like little, but we casted that demon out. And so, and then like that. And so the titles came after. I started by serving. I served in every capacity in the church, but men's ministry. And today I am the leader of the men's ministry. <laughs> in Africa? You are the leader yeah, of the ministry? Yeah. The ones that have been there, they like, uh, one time I had the men and women of action team and uh, I had to leave and then they were trying, the men, the American team, was, were trying to get the African men to work, and it just didn't work. And then I get there, I'm like, what's going on here? Okay, you do that, you do that, then you do that. So anyway, that's not the point. The point is, <laughs> and I was called to serve. So whatever capacity you have been called by the Lord, just serve. If you are to have a title, that will come because of your servanthood. That will come because of what you're doing. That will come after your work. If you want the title, if you want to work because of the title, you got the title. I have seen many ministers with a title leave ministry, but I have never seen a servant leave the title of a servant. So we all are called 
to serve. So let's go out and serve. If you are to have a title, that will come because of the work you're doing. So I never, never, so um, the Church of God in Brazil, it's, um, I'm from the Church of God. So there, women have a little bit more of a freedom in that. We have pastors, uh, female pastors and all. But when, when I was in Bible school and getting my degree, and all the, the Presbyterians uh, and all the, okay, not mentioning, all the other uh, denominations, they were like, oh, and get into that discussion. I never, I tell you ladies, I never got into that discussion because I was not pursuing m to be a pastor. I was not pursuing to be a, a missionary. I was just pursuing knowledge to better serve the Lord. And everything came after that. So you were called, just go serve, and then the rest will come after. That's the word of the Lord. That's the word of the Lord. Okay. Isn't this good? Is this helping you today? Yay. Okay, I'm going to move to my mamas. What mamas do I have in this house? Yeah, yeah. So, Jojo, prepare yourself. <clears throat> so, ooh, I have so many questions I could do there, but let's do this. So, Pastor Jojo, you are in ministry and you have five kids. So for any of the women in here who are pursuing that destiny and calling, and they are in this, and your kids are younger, you know. I will confess, I had many, many mothers in the faith tell me, your time will come, your season will come later. But the call of God never would push pause. And I see you in ministry, and your kids are little. How old's your youngest now? Ten months. She don't look like she had a, a ten-month-old, does she? Little JoJo. How are you learning to balance ministry and motherhood? What advice would you give to some women out here that are like, got some young ones, but they feel the burning call of God on their life? Yes. Oh, if God called you, he will provide a way for you to serve him. Um, and he provides a village of people around you to, to help. Um, I love that Jesus loves to send people out at least two by two. And so as a mom, I'm never alone. And I can actually look around this room and see people who have literally helped hold my arms up with my babies so that I continue, can continue the call of God on my life. So if God called you, if God called you, he will provide a way for you to minister in the capacity that he's placed you in, and he will take care of your babies. Now, I, the beautiful thing about God is that you don't have to drop your babies and drop the calling, um, because he said, stretch your tents. He said, stretch it and make room, make room, make room, and God will send what you need. So, mama's in the house. Where did those babies come from? Your body, right? That's what you preached on, right, Pastor Amanda? Why are you not up here? You, scoot over. Come on up. Come on up. Just come up so we can see you. Don't you want to see her? She's so beautiful. Those babies came from your body, right? Right here in your body. And they were formed from you. And when they have your DNA, right, and your spouse's DNA, and your calling is wrapped up in your DNA, and you were called when you were, they were in your belly. So if you're called, your babies are born into that calling. Do you hear me? They are, they are a part of you. 
you're born into that calling, and the grace for your calling is extended to their life, whatever that looks like. So don't compartmentalize the call of God on your life. He can call you to do great things and have a baby, and they are born right into it. Pastor Stephanie, you're, you've got a, a bunch of kids, and they're teenagers. So it's not as young, but probably still is hard. So tell me what you do having older children, who we have one of your beautiful daughters here, balancing ministry, their needs, and what that looks like. Okay, um, I used to answer this question a lot different. And I used to say this, and I think I hear this a lot. Stop trying to balance, you'll never balance. I think that's a lie, actually. Because I think that boundaries equal balance. And for me, especially as my kids become teenagers, my husband and I realize that the time that we have to impact their lives is fleeting. And when they leave my house, I want them to be able to hear the voice of God and to remember the lessons that they were taught. So I know this you have to be careful to set boundaries because the people that are in your home, you are called to first. And I have seen a lot of people in ministry get this way out of whack. God will never call you to touch people and your own family go to hell. And a lot of times we see that because people... I don't, I, I don't know, it's, you put more time in here than you put around your table, and it is killing us. I, I know this, that we have got to have mothers and fathers who care more about their ministry at home. And let me tell you, ministry at home is important, especially if you are a platform gift, because you cannot be something here and be something else at home. The best sermons that you will ever preach will be in the four walls of your house. And sometimes they're not even coming out of your mouth. They're being acted out. And so I believe, first of all, boundaries are important. Set time that you prioritize with your children at home. And it's, it's kind of a quality over quantity thing, right? Make the time that you're together important. And, and you have to do this more now than ever before because here we're together, right? And everybody's sitting on their devices together, but not together. Okay. Make some boundaries, put some boundaries in place so that when you are together, the time matters and it's important. And I believe that when you honor your first calling, which is to your house, to your family, then God will always take care of the rest. That's so good. Boundaries. Everybody shout boundaries. We won't get to this question, but one of them was, how do you handle boundaries with social media and cell phones and how that's transforming the home? And I think she just let you know, just because you're together doesn't mean you're together. And you need to make sure there are times you're together. You're together. So, okay, this is so fun. We get on time. Yes. Are y'all growing from this? All right, I'm going to ask this question to all the ladies. Um, how many of you, any of you, ever had a child, let's see, if they're currently, we won't embarrass them. <laughs> 
I won't embarrass the Wallace kids right now. But that is in rebellion or away from the Lord, a wayward child. So here you are loving the Lord. You've raised them the best you can, and, and now they're not serving the Lord. I'm sure there are women in here that could testify I'm dealing with that. What advice would you give them? I know it could be a whole sermon, but what advice would you tell them? Anybody battled that up here? Yes, uh, that's, that's part of motherhood. You, you do battle that. There, being a preacher's daughter myself, I had to test the waters outside the boundaries my parents set for me. My most powerful weapon is hearing the voice of God, knowing what I'm hearing, but on my face on the floor. Because here's the thing that I have learned God will give you advanced warnings. If you're sensitive to the Spirit, and what I'm learning is when he says something, it's deeper than what you think. Because going through one process, when, when something hit my family that was not even on my radar, I would have never imagined this. God had said to me months back, do you trust me to handle this the way I need to handle it? I said, Sure. And then he started handling it. And I went, whoa. And he asked me again. He said, do you trust me? And I paused. And then I repented for the pause. Because you know what? God loves your kids more than you could ever think about loving them. More. And as we processed through that, I was praying one day and I said, God, will this work? His answer to me, some of these things don't come out but by prayer and fasting. See, what the enemy does, and one of the speakers spoke on it, I call them sleeper cells. You know, when they bring individuals in and plant them in the society, they look like a part, they act like the part, and then when they're activated, they cause destruction. When God said some of these things don't come out by prayer and fasting, that was when the disciples could not cast the demon out of the child. And they said, what was wrong? Prayer and fasting. I didn't realize, I started praying and fasting, but I didn't realize the magnitude of the battle that I was going to face that was life and death. But God gave me advance warning. I can give you scripture for it. He told Peter, he said, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, and when you're restored, you restore the brethren. So he gives advance warnings. You learn to listen, and when you hear something and you think, what? Trust, God, trust that you're hearing God. If it's not anything that you could imagine, trust that you're hearing God and act on it because it's probably going to be deeper than what you ever thought. That's good. I want to say something about Doris. One thing she taught me, this is a great nugget for moms out there, grandmas, um, that she has always fasted the day of her child's birthday every month. Now, if you have a bunch of kids, you're not going to eat a lot. But she takes that day, and she just spends that as fasting for that child. So it's more proactive instead of reactive. So, yes. so I have no qualifications at all to speak on but I do have to say this. It might be for nobody, but it was for me. Um, what 
I'm speaking to those of you who never gave birth naturally. And in, this wasn't so a generation ago, because a generation ago, the woman who dared to preach almost hid their children. They, they, it was, they were the side. You know, this generation is different. And the mothers wear children as gifts and badges, as they should be. And um, so the enemy for a long time, and this is what he would tell me, this is full disclosure, this is one you want to edit out. <laughs> he, and it's so funny because Fanny and I spoke about this last night. So, because I don't want to say it, but I'll say it anyway. This, uh, the, the, the devil would tell me, your womb has never borne seed that lived in the natural. What qualifies you to bear seed that lives in the spirit? So having no natural children, having never raised a child from birth, the enemy will say, as it was a badge of shame in the Old Testament, I promise you, he still brings that around today. In some ways, he will tell you, how can you teach people to raise their children when you've never raised natural children of your own? But the day I caught that serpent by the head, I'm not trying to be spiritual. I'm telling you, it is a literal demonic thing that comes to tell you that you are not qualified. I uh, got so mad at, at him the day I realized he was doing that because, you know, um, especially people in my family, older people would come and say, it's okay, you know, God did it for Sarah. I don't want to have a baby at, you know, 90, 70, anywhere after 46. I'm good. You know? <laughs> it's not even on my radar. But I need to tell somebody today that validity did not come the day you pushed the baby out. I, I, you got to hear it. Your validity came the day that God made you the seed that was pushed out into the world. You, and, and that's for every woman that's ever miscarried in here, every woman that never got married, every woman that, that in here is grieving over a lost child or is trying to become pregnant and you've tied up because we tie our whole identity up in the ability to give birth to a natural You know how many people I ministered to at the altar last night? Weeping their eyes out. And hear what the Spirit of the Lord said last night. He said, weep for what you did not birth in the Spirit as you weep for what you did not birth in the natural. We don't grieve over what we didn't give birth to for God. We don't grieve over the seed that died prematurely in the belly like we grieve over the thing that wasn't birthed into the natural earth when one will last for 80 years and the other will go into perpetual... It's the grief. And some of us, I believe, we were called to that kind of grieving. We were called to weep for the sons and daughters. I don't have any natural children, but I have many sons who, who walked away. And I can't imagine what it would be like to have somebody come out of your womb that turned away from Jesus. Because when they do it in the spirit, it, it tears me apart. I weep for them more than I weep for anything in the world. I want them to come home so bad. And I cry as if they were my own. So, so I can just, I don't think anybody has to teach a mama how to pray a kid home. 
I, I can't imagine how they are always in your head and in your prayers. And he's always touched by the feelings of those infirmities. So I believe there's nothing like a mom whose knees get black on the ground for a son to come home. And I was, I hear the word of the Lord, the heart of the father for the son to come home. So I know for this, the moms who have wayward children, if Abba knows, like a hen gathers her chicks, how to gather, how to get you to gather your sons home, they will come home. Your daughters will come home. So that was just for all those of you who've never, never given birth like myself. That was a word. That was a word in here today. All right. I'm just going to pick on you, Pastor Amanda, since you haven't answered a question. So, yes. Oh, I could, whew, I could ask you so much because I know you'll be real, but I'll keep it nice. Um. I would just like you to identify maybe what you see as one of the greatest enemies of women today, the spiritual enemies against women. Maybe if you've battled it yourself or what you're just seeing as a, as a woman in ministry, just identify something. I know there are many. Yes. I, actually, there's a lot of things that um, I identify, but I think the ultimate thing, it's what has been from the beginning, and it's the spirit of competition within women. And we are constantly sizing each other up and measuring each other, what we wear, how we look. We, you know, we don't measure to that economic status or, you know, spirituality. And the Lord gave me a word um, several weeks ago, and he said, when you come into covenant, competition leaves. And when we begin to come together as mothers and sisters and daughters of Zion, we come into covenant together and we become a force and we become, I, I, I don't know the exact scripture reference, but the mother uh, who heard the pounding on the wall because the spirit of rebellion had gotten into the camp and she went and gathered all the women and, and they handled some business. If we as women would come together and deal with that spirit of rebellion, not like, Ooh, I'm glad that's not my child. Ooh, yeah, well, you, you know what I mean? Because then that automatically puts a spirit of separation. And, and ultimately, we are called to come together as intercessors, as support beams in covenant together and tearing down the strongholds of the enemy. So that in my life has been probably the biggest devil on both sides of the fence, feeling inadequate and vice versa. The enemy saying, oh, well, thank God that's not your husband. Wow. Oh, thank God that's not your child. And here's the greatest thing that I have ever experienced with the Lord is put yourself as if it were. Because you will pray different when you're moved with compassion. That's the ministry of Jesus. The ministry of Jesus, he felt it. And he was not going to leave that burden laying there. He was going to make sure that there was deliverance and there was breakthrough. Yes. The spirit of compassion within the heart of people of God will change how you pray. How many can receive that as a room full of daughters? Aren't you done with competition and comparison? Yes. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm just going to be me, and I'm just going to let you be you. <laughs> and I'm going to love you anyways. That's powerful. Yes, yes, give her the mic. Y'all can jump in anytime. Okay, there we go. I just have to say this, okay? I want to say two things. Number one, honor is key, okay? Okay, so let me just 
I'm not going to look at her for a minute, but I'm going to give honor where honor is due. Okay, so I'm just going to ignore this because she knows I love her. But I give her great honor, okay? And let me tell you why. Because the group of people that she assembles together to speak into your lives, there's not an ounce of what just came out of your mouth on this stage. Exactly. And the reason that I'm saying that is because if you are somewhere here in this room and you struggle with that, I'm telling you that God assembles that on this stage and you see us intermingle with one another, high five one another, celebrate one another, embrace one another, move in and out inside of each other with each other's gifts, share platforms, stages, shoes on, shoes off. It does not matter because that is not just so we can celebrate that. It's so we can give it away to you so you can go home free and you don't have to live under that bondage of competition whom the son has set free is free indeed and that's freedom that God wants you to walk under as well I love this <laughs> um this is why I love this house and it flows from the head right. down it that's flows right. from the head down I wonder if they're here but Lacey look okay if you're on the front line stand up these are for real women of fire. Let's honor this worship team. They have poured out and poured out and poured out. They. Okay. So I just love, I love what Pastor Amanda and Pastor Dad. Ooh, yes. Um, we, are, we are slicing the enemy right now. Um, but what I love about them is that under our pastors, we've cultivated um, a culture of honor and encouragement. That is so important. Listen, the word of God says, encourage one another as long as it's called today. That's right. Today, today, so that you will not be hardened by sin's deceit. Did you know that when you step out of those doors, sin's going to try to deceive you? And then get you back into an old cycle saying, hey, this girl don't like you and, and you're not on their team. And that's the enemy. Let it shatter by encouragement. And something that we do with our team is every day, we, try, we probably bug their phones, but um, we're like every day sending, hey, we love you. We love you. We're proud of you. And they are emulating that. And it's because we receive it from our pastors. It's a beautiful cycle. So if you want to break comparison, you need to encourage. Look, Wilmari, like, look, we are high-fiving each other. We encourage so that sin's deceit will be broken. That is truly JoJo's gift. I'm going to tell on her. She believes in this word so much. I got a text message at 12.15 last night. Like, it's that whole, you won't get this till tomorrow. But before I put my head down tonight, I'm going to encourage you. She literally lives it. She doesn't let the sun go down without encouraging who God tells her to. It's powerful. Um, just because we, we don't want you all to walk out of here not getting everything that the Lord has for you, I feel like we need to break the spirit of offense. And... I heard this said that if you're trying to find the Lord as defender in your life, you can't be offended. 
If you're needing him to come and defend you, you can't carry an offense. And if you have an offense, I feel like there's people in the room right now, you even have an offense with the woman you've been sharing a room with this whole weekend. I think that you actually have some people in here right now that are still offended because she didn't flush the toilet and she woke you up in the middle of the night. And so I actually, I feel right now in the name of Jesus, if you feel any offense in your heart right now in the name of Jesus, I want you to raise your hand and I don't care who you are. If you need the Lord of God, the heavenly host to rise up in your life and be your defender, get your hands up and commit to the Lord every offense in your life. If you're offended by your pastor, you need to leave that at the altar if you're offended because you didn't get asked to come and speak at your church leave it at the altar if you're offended because your daddy didn't see you and your mommy doesn't see you leave it at the altar I tell you what the Lord sees you if you feel like there's a reason why God wants you to be seen it's because he wants to be seen That DNA is inside of you. So if you feel like you need to lay the offense, we just proclaim in the name of Jesus. Every offense is out the door. You will not leave here the same in the name of Jesus. Plead the blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Grab that word and let it work in your heart right now, ladies. Let it work in your heart. Thank you, Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is stirring in this place, stirring in this place. I want to just close this session by returning honor. I have received so much honor this weekend. No more. Please, please, please. These ladies are a lifeline. I pray they have encouraged your life. How many would say, I have received life-changing words, impartation from the sacrifice of these women? I'm going to even go a step further, and I'm going to tell on them, and then we're going to stand and honor them. In the ministry world today, I do not criticize this at all. I don't. I honor all people, but it's a different world. You know, pastors and ministers used to be bivocational, and and, and I'm so glad that now there's a spirit of blessing on ministry, but encountering lots of wonderfully qualified anointed speakers, a lot of times they come with pages and pages of requirements and expectations and demands, and we honor and meet those demands. But I just want to tell you a common denominator about every woman in this room. Literally, they said things to me like, I'm coming. I don't care if I preach. You're not, don't give me something. I'm paying my way. And I cannot tell you how many women of fires, these women just came. No promise of anything. They have never demanded anything and, in fact, refuse everything I try to do. Do you know what a rare treasure that is? These women are kingdom world changers. So can we just honor them? And I am blessing them. That offering is going to them. Don't worry about that. We're blessing them. But I just want us to honor them, and I want to honor you and tell you how much I love you so much. You are treasures in the kingdom. Amen. 
So stay standing. I'm going to make a shift. Celia, come here. While they move these chairs, I'm going to do something spontaneous. Celia, I want you to take us into prayer as the worship team comes. I want you to take two minutes, share what God gave you, and I want you to take these people into the prayer room of God. You've never prayed till you pray with somebody from Africa. I'm not trying to like pull out culture, but you don't have intercessors if you ain't got somebody from Africa on your intercessory prayer team. Do I have any sisters in this house? All right, Celia, I just want you to share what God gave you and take us in. Worship team, get ready. We are transitioning right into our closing session. Who's ready to receive? Amen. Go ahead. Well, I don't know about you ladies, but my flesh is just shaking. Um, so in preparation for coming uh, and praying and fasting for this conference, the Lord has given me like three full sermons, not necessarily to be preached, but to know what he was going to speak here. And then he has spoken through all these mighty women of God, everything that he had already spoken to me. But on the plane, the Lord spoke something very specific to me. He took me to Jacob's uh, experience in the fourth of, of uh, Jabok. When he was afraid, when he was uh, almost in despair, and then he grabbed the angel. And he did not let the angel go. And the Lord spoke to my heart, how bad do you want it? So I want you to think, because I know that a lot of you has already gotten what you came for. But perhaps there are some of us here, some of you here, that are still wondering, why are you here? But I want to leave you with this question. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? Do, are you willing to wrestle with the angel the whole night? Are you willing to hold on tight a little longer? Are you willing to not give up? I want to tell you, do not give up. Hold on a little longer because the intensity of your want will determine your answer. I will, I will tell you something. A few months uh, in June, we had the far-flung tin can with us. And, and then this goes both ways. What you want from God and what you take authority over the enemy. Listen to this. With God, you wrestle in the, in the fort of, of Jabok. You wrestle. You, go, you get God by the neck. I mean, that's how I do it. Lord, you will do it for me. You will do it for me. And I won't let you go until you do it. That's what Jacob said. There is a place in the spirit. And it was said here yesterday. And I shouted at Devin. I said, Devin, did you hear that? Because I had just spoken it to her. There is a place in the spirit. That when you hit it, you get it. Ladies, get this. Get this. Listen to this carefully. There is a place in the spirit that when you hit it, you get it. I never saw it fail in my life and I never saw it fail in the Bible. I will say it for the third time because maybe you didn't listen to it yet. There is a place in the spirit that when you hit it, you get it. 
And there is a place in the spirit which happens to be the same place. But when you hit it, the devil has to lose it. And we were in Mozambique. We took the team over the border to South Africa just to do a safari in the middle of the ministry, which is what we do. There is nothing wrong with that. There's no sin in seeing lions and leopards and all that. So when we come back, 3 p.m. in the afternoon, we had a service back in the bush. Everyone got their visas, but Kyle, the leader of the team, the printer, the printer at the border did not print his visa. So we thought this is a normal thing. So we waited, waited, and 3 p.m. became 4, became 5, became 6, became 7 p.m. And I'm like, gosh, I have a bus full of people, and we are here holding. So I said, okay, I will take the team to the bush. Literally, I'm talking about, like, no electricity, no water, and all that. So, and then another missionary came to, to the border to get Kyle. So when we got there, I, I thought, you know what? We are treating this in the natural. We are treating this in the natural, but that's not normal. And so I got the team there, and by then, I'm just cutting a long story short, by then it was already 9 p.m. From 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. So I got the team, like I said, no electricity, no anything like that. And I said, let's pray. And we will pray until we release it. And so we started praying and then warring the spirit. I said, okay, so far up to this point, we thought this is just a natural thing. A printer doesn't work. But then for everybody else, the printer was working. But for Kaiwe, it wouldn't work. And so I said, let's pray. And we prayed. And uh, Brandy was there and Caroline was there. And we prayed. Oh, ladies, we prayed. And I tell you, I grabbed that demon by the neck. And I said, you lose it. You let it go. And I won't let you go until you let it go. And we prayed. And we prayed. And we prayed. And I tell you, we prayed. And then we hit that place. We hit it. And we got it. Brand is here. Caroline is here. And we all felt it. It's done. Done. I'm seriously five minutes Brandy five minutes I got a call from Brian Celia we have the visa I said yes because we had that place in the spirit when you hit it you get it and you have got to tell Satan this very thing Satan if you come against me you better kill me because if you don't I'm coming right after you so right now, you are, we are entering this place. I want especially you that thinks that you didn't get it yet. Let's get to that place. And you won't leave it until you get it. So this, I won't make an altar call for you to come because this is not for someone to pray for you. It is a place where you have to access it yourself. You go after it and you hit it and you get it. It's if Satan have got your child, 
get that demon by the neck and you say, you lose it or I won't let you go. Satan, if you come after me, you better kill me because and, and, and he won't. But if, if you won't, I'm coming after you. Go after him now. Go after God and go after that very demon that is trying to destroy your family, that's trying to destroy your marriage, that's trying to destroy your sons and daughters, it's trying to destroy your life. Go after it right now in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we come before your presence. We come to you now, Father. We want to reach that place. We want to reach this place. We want to hit it because we want to get it. Just like Jacob got it. Just like Moses got it. Just like Joseph got it. Just like Paul got it. Just like Jesus got it. Father, in the name of Jesus, take us to that place. That when we hit it, we get it. Take us to that place, my Lord. Take us to this place of warfare where Satan has to listen to the authority voice of your, of your children here. In the name of Jesus, take us to that place, Lord. Father, take us to this place. Take us to this place and give the victory to those that feel like they have not been touched by you. Let them touch you, Father, so that they will feel like they were touched by you. Father, it's not so much about feeling, it's about hitting that place in the spirit of security, of no doubt. In the name of Jesus, we pray right now, Father. Father, and now I pray that for all those women that feel yet that they don't know why they're here, let take them to that place. Take them to that place, Father, where they won't let go, where they won't let go. They will not let go, Father, in the name of Jesus. Hold on my sheep.